Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen conflicts in their home. This is Mandy Hammond filling in for Melanie Hempy, and I am so glad that you're here today. So welcome, everyone. If you're new, we're so glad you found us. And for everybody else, welcome back to the show. I don't typically share much before interviewing guests, but I just thought I'd share this today. Um, Something fun happened this week. My youngest of three turned 13. So I don't know how it happened, but overnight, we now have three teenagers in the house. I have personally found that this season of having teenagers is super fun. Um, I know I get a lot of, sometimes people go, oh, good luck. You got teenagers, but you know what? It's been fun. It's different. It's got its different challenges, but it's been super fun. I personally think teens have a lot to offer our world. They're smart and they're witty. And when they're given the opportunity, they shine. So we have parents all the time ask us in our Screen Strong Families group or through email, you know, what resources do you have for teens? How do I get my teens on board with this whole Screen Strong stuff and, you know, giving up social media or getting away from video games or whatever it is? It's, you know, parents are really desperate for that kind of information. And although Screen Strong, you know, we focus on educating parents and adults on the brain science about how toxic entertainment technology like smartphones, video games, pornography, how all that's affecting kids from toddlers to teens, we love when we come across a teen who's willing to talk to us and share why they aren't personally falling for this experiment that society has thrown at them when it comes to technology. So I just, we love it when the light bulb goes on and a lot of times that happens As far as like, even in our personal home, it happened once we got our teenagers detoxed from their smartphones and social media, and they kind of were able to see the light. Other parents choose to delay completely. And those kids realize, wow, my life was a lot better without this stuff. So it's just great. So today we get to talk to one of those teens. Noah Reed is 17 years old. And when he was 15, he wrote a persuasive speech on social media, on the topic of social media. I've read it through it several times now. And I am so thrilled to have him on the podcast today to discuss it. I told him I came up with a ton of questions for him. So I'm really looking forward to this. And I know you guys will enjoy it. This will definitely be an episode to share with your teenagers. So welcome, Noah. Hi there. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for being here today. So just to get us started, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, what hobbies, interests you have, sports, how you spend your free time. You told me before we started that you're about to be a senior. So that's exciting. Yes, ma'am. Prepping for senior year, doing lots of ACT practice. You know, as a hobby, I'm a musician. So I play a lot of instruments. I play the piano for my church. Uh, In my free time, I spend a lot of time on the drums, playing guitar. Uh, I just find music really interesting. And it's really helpful helpful for me to be able to play those instruments just to refine my skills. As part of my curriculum, then I am a high school debater and speaker, public speaker, And so I traveled across the country competing in tournaments. Uh, That's actually where I gave the social media persuasive speech. Prepping for this upcoming season, then I have numerous teaching opportunities of sharing what I've learned with other students, including going to camps, uh, just teaching people that are here located in central Arkansas as well, just sharing what I know. Uh, That is what I find most helpful for me actually to learn myself is to share what I have learned with other people which at the same time advances me and how to teach and also refines my skills as well. That's awesome. So do you think you'll go into teaching or something like that? Or do you have those type of plans after 
graduating or do you know yet? You don't have to know yet. I was just wondering. Not necessarily. <laughs> I don't have being a teacher uh, as one of my priorities right now. I am at, like accepting students for speech and debate coaching. And I think that after graduation, then I'll do a lot more of that as well. But right now, I don't think that teaching in like in a school system is necessarily one of my priorities. Just specify coaching, focusing on speech and debate is probably what I'll end up doing. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. So what inspired you to write a persuasive speech on this topic of social media that we're going to talk about today? Yeah, so I started actually back in, I think, January of 2019, having a lot of discussions with my parents about my personal convictions about social media and their wisdom about social media, video games, etc. And I wanted to go beyond just what we were talking about in our day-to-day discussions. I wanted to get like a full compass of what I believe about it for myself. And so that's what inspired me to write this speech. Actually, a funny thing, I know it's like the cliche to say that your best ideas happen in the shower. Well, (laughs) this actually did come to me in the shower. I was like, what if I wrote a persuasive speech about age restricting social media? And so that's what I was, that's where the idea came to me. And I just started formulating ideas. As soon as I got out of the shower, I wrote down the idea so I wouldn't forget it. And it all came about from there. That is wonderful. I love that. And how has it been received? I mean, you've said this a couple of times, obviously, or presented it. Has it been received well from teenagers and parents? Yes, ma'am. I've primarily had parents uh, for judges. I qualified to the national tournament uh, where it's like the top 40% of competitors, they go on to this national tournament. So I qualified for that. I didn't get to compete at the national tournament because COVID uh, kind of shut the wow. entire nation down, including yep. speech and debate, uh, which was sad. And I couldn't bring it back this year. So I had to leave it where it, I guess, laid, not necessarily dead, but I couldn't compete with it at the national tournament. Okay. Okay. Um, Okay, so let's get into your speech because I just think it's great. And I need to figure out a way to get it posted on our social media, if you don't mind, too. We can talk about that because I just think more people need to read it. But I love the analogy that you use to open up your speech. So can you explain this to our audience? I think it's a fabulous mental picture for parents. Kind of talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I open up my persuasive by basically forming or painting the picture of social media as being a Trojan horse in the sense that the social media companies advertise their platforms as being, you know, fun and cool for teens to be able to connect with each other. But behind the message of having fun is this hidden, not necessarily propaganda, but the hidden goal of getting you eventually addicted to their platform. Because the most amount of time that you spend or the more amount of time that you spend on the social media platform, the more money that the social media company receives. So Facebook, Instagram, etc. They're propping themselves up to be this thing that will advance you while at the same time, it's just advancing them and how much profit they can get off of you while at the same time, causing numerous different things uh, like depression, anxiety, mental illness in teens because of the, the mental aspects behind social media. So you talk about the Trojan horse thing, um, which I had to like, remember what that was all about. It's not terrible. It's been so long since I've been in school. But the Trojan horse coming into camp basically and tricking, you know, tricking the people and killing them all. And so it's like, this is what social media does. It comes in and we think, oh, this is just a way to connect with their friends, you know, and little do we know from the inside out, it's just starting to wreak havoc. Exactly. I love that analogy. Good job on that. So did you know, I mean, I know you wrote this at 15. So did you know at that time, the negative mental health 
in adolescence was correlated with social media use? Like, were you surprised by the stats that you found when you started digging into this? Or was it something you kind of knew in your gut? Like, tell me kind of how that experience went as you started researching. Right. So I had several friends that use social media extensively. And coincidentally, those same friends were the same people that would say, like, I'm not doing too well, or I struggle with self-confidence, etc. Which is a little bit not ironic, but social media is propping themselves to be where you can express your self-confidence and reach out to other people. But it undermines that stated goal by basically destroying your self-confidence in you by having the like system, by having how many friends you can get, because that's not reflective of what people actually are or what they should be striving to achieve on social media. Yeah. What was the most, do you remember what the most interesting or eye-opening stat was that you learned? I think that I had a gut feeling and a general encompassing understanding about all of the side effects of social media, but having the citation of like, this is actually clinically proven was really eye-opening to me. It's not just anecdotes or a case-by-case basis. Like it's widespread issues that doctors agree with. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And that's what we talk a lot about at ScreenStrong is everything's very science-based and very research-based. And I think we're seeing so many effects of the last at least decade that this has been around. And then now obviously with COVID this past year, you know, we don't even see those stats yet. <laughs> We're seeing some of them right. haven't even completely come out. So tell me, have you ever been on a social media platform as a you know person on there or are you now? Like what is your back then it sounds like you weren't on it where you did your parents not allow it or were you on it and had a negative experience? Like tell me about that. Yeah. So I got like an Instagram account uh, without my parental permission. And so mm-hmm. whenever they found out that I had like an Instagram account, they're like, you need to mind the wisdom in this. You need to see whether or not it's going to be benefiting you. And at the time it really was not benefiting me at all. And so that led to more discussions and more discipling through the situation of, is this going to be helpful for you? And no, it's really not it on its surface. Again, it seems like it's going to help you, but at the end, it's really not useful for anything except for trying to fit in with the normal crowd and fit in with what everybody else is doing. Yeah. And I think it's amazing when parents truly encourage their kids to stand out from the crowd, right? That's what we're wanting to teach our kids is you don't have to go along with the crowd. I mean, I remember my parents yeah. telling me that as a kid, <laughs> don't go with yeah, the crowd. As, as Christians, then we're called to be set apart. So why try to fit in with everybody else and what they're doing, which eventually does lead you down a path of mental illness or anxiety or distancing from your in-person friends or your family. Right, right. So tell me this, have you ever felt FOMO for not being on social media, FOMO for anybody that doesn't know, fear of missing out? I mean, have you found especially the last couple of years, I think as you get closer to graduating, you kind of don't care as much anymore. But in those earlier years in high school, did you feel like, oh man, I'm not on it. Everybody else is on it and I'm left out. I think originally, yes, ma'am, because I went outside of my parental permission. It was like, hey, I'm going to create this so I can you know, connect with my friends. But now it's not there. That urge to be on social media is not there anymore. Social media is only as beneficial as the user is able to control it. And if there's really no benefit to it, if you can reach your friends outside of social media, then why try to have, you know, 500 fake friends? That's kind of my perspective on it. 
No, I think that's a great perspective. What you just said about it's only as, say that again, it's only as... um, Yeah, social media is only as beneficial as the user is able to control it. So do you think user is able to control it? Like as a teenager, is a teenager? I don't think so. Yeah. I think that once you get on social media and spend a lot of time on social media, it starts to control you. If it's the first thing that you're doing whenever you get up in the morning or continually checking throughout the day, you're not controlling it. You're not in control of it. It's controlling what you do in your life patterns. But beyond that, it's controlling your brain as well. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really good. So how do you think social media is affecting the overall stress of teenagers today? I mean, mental health, like actual anxiety, depression, things aside, like the stress that you have as a teenager is great between grades and looking at colleges and all these things. And you're involved in all this debate and all these things that you're doing. How is this being on social media affecting stress? Oh, I think it's affecting it tremendously. I mean, if you look at the statistics, then the mental health issues that teens in America are experiencing now are much, much greater than say back in 2005. So I don't think that all of it can be solely pinned on social media, but I do think that social media definitely does have an effect on the mental health of the teenagers and not just the teenagers even. Look at the adult population and you can see the same thing, same patterns. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that personally, sometimes I go, if this is affecting me and I am an adult that knows that, you know what, I got to take a break. I got to log off of this. It's stressing me out. But as we talk about at Screen Strong, a teenager's brain is not developed at age 14 and 15, you know, to be able to go, oh, I know when to stop this, you know. So you talk about in your paper about the human element being the one thing that's missing from social media. What do you mean by that? Because I mean, after all, it's called social media, which is supposed to mean we're connecting with other humans, right? It's keeping us social. So there's a difference between social networking and social media in the sense that social networking is reaching out to your friends, spending time with your friends, while social media is you're basically posting a product and people all around you are posting products of themselves. That's not social networking. You're not getting any interaction through posting a picture of yourself and trying to look at how great you are or look at how great the other people around you are. That's not social networking. Social media is unique in the sense of you're basically always trying to get uh, accolades and positive things said about you. And you're trying to say positive things about each other. That's not the real world picture of what your friend had for dinner last night is not what they're having every night. So it, it creates a false picture in our minds of what normal life is and what it's supposed to be, especially for teens. And whenever they get smacked with the real world, so to speak, then the result is uh, stress, anxiety, etc. And not being able to cope, right? Do you see that in your right. peers sometimes? Yes, my peers are fairly self-disciplined whenever it comes to social media, like some of my best friends, they are very disciplined whenever it comes to social media and they have a very real world perspective on it. Um, But through some of the people that I know, it absolutely does have effect on how they cope with the real world. And I think that has to do with other interests and things too. I think when social media or video games start taking over the real world interest, that's where you run into issues, you know? Right, right. So which brings me to my next thing that I loved this line that you talk about robots. Um, you talk about how using social media is, since there's no facial expression, there's no true connection, like you just talked about with the social networking, 
Um, it's like talking to a robot. And you said this line that stuck out to me. It says, and robots are what we have the tendency to become in person after so much social media usage. So how have you seen this generation turn into robots? And maybe it's not in your personal world. It sounds like you've got some great friends that you're all kind of on the same page, but just in general in society, how have you seen this happen? Right. So whenever I was writing this portion of my speech, something that came to mind is C-3PO from the Star Wars series. Okay. You know, so C- C-3PO, he can interact with people, but he doesn't necessarily have emotions. And he certainly doesn't like care for other people in the way that normal humans should. He powers on and he has his talk box and he can speak to other people, but he's still just a robot and he doesn't show emotion or necessarily care for the- those around him. In the same way, whenever people are continually going back to social media for their perspective on how to live, whenever they are thrown into the real world, then they don't necessarily have all of them. Whenever they don't have constant positivity being poured into them, then they kind of just disconnect emotionally and from other disconnect emotionally from other people while also being emotionally deteriorated from the inside. Oh, man. That is the truth. That is the truth. Okay, so here's a question I just thought of. I'm going to throw in here. The app store tells me that 13 is the appropriate age to give my child TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. Um, What age do you propose that a parent should allow social media for their child? And you talk about it in your speech. Yeah, I, I I think that 18 is the appropriate age to be able to access social media. I say this in my speech, but like whenever you're a teenager, there's a ton of changes going on in your brain and your life. You have more responsibilities. You have to take on more concerning school. And like the National Institute of Health, we're saying that changes occur in the brain during adolescence, which impacts our self-control, decision-making, emotions, and risk-taking behaviors. So why throw in an extra bar to cross over or a bar to jump over while also trying to take on the transition from being a child to becoming an adult. And social media doesn't necessarily bring out the best in us necessarily. Like we can see a lot of people just doing stupid things on social media, which I mean, going back to what the Institute of Health said, that is certainly impacting our self-control of decision-making. So again, why add another hurdle to try and jump over? Right, right. And, and that conflict w- between parents and kids, like it just really, like I said at the beginning uh, with the teenager stage, I know with us personally, it made it harder. It made it more difficult. It was constant conflict and, you know, stressing out about what was being accessed. And it's, it's just easier without it. And that's why we always tell parents it's okay to delay. And I just want to point out, we've heard it from you, Noah. We've heard it from a teenager saying, hey, I'm surviving. I'm thriving without it. And I'm doing great. Um, So kind of wrapping up here, what's one thing you tell to teens, you know, high schoolers, even middle schoolers, honestly, who are struggling with mental health, with their mental health, but they feel like they can't live without their social media platforms. I mean, they're just in it. So how do they get out of it or how do they make it better? Listen to your parents and talk with your parents. A lot of the, not necessarily the content, but a lot of the ideas that are put in my speech came from talking with my parents about it. And their wisdom really guided how I wanted to form this speech and form my perspective on what social media means and how it affects me as a person. Be open with your parents about what you're feeling and be be talking to them about social media usage for sure.
That's great. Okay. So flipping that question, what would you say to parents? It sounds like you have amazing parents that were willing to talk to you about these things. I think a lot of times parents are scared to bring up this stuff with their kids because they don't really know what's going on. So how did your parents respond to you in a way that made you receptive? They asked me to mind the wisdom in the situation and talking about the wisdom in the situation. And so by asking me to mind the wisdom while also teaching me the wisdom behind it, it made me think a lot more about what they were having to say than just listening, I guess, to a lecture, so to speak. It made me think for myself about what they were saying and research for my own person what it actually played out, how it actually played out in the real world in forms of statistics and also just anecdotal examples of teens using social media. Yeah, that's great. And I do love what you said earlier too. I think you said that your parents had asked you, is it benefiting you? Like when they found out you had an Instagram, it doesn't sound like they freaked out and took it away and said, what are you doing? You know, it sounds like they said, whoa, 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 let's talk about this. Is it benefiting you? Is it helpful to you? And I think that's when a teenager can truly be honest with themselves and go, you know what? No, it's not. It's not benefiting me. That's when they finally give it up. Yeah, I think that I think that anybody that is using social media should continually be asking the question, how is this benefiting me? Because whenever you open up social media, all it really does is just open up another avenue. How is it going to benefit you by being on social media? What does it have to offer that you can't get from in-person interactions or sending a text message to your friend? Like, what is the purpose of it? And is that purpose benefiting you in any way? And is that purpose just to fit in? Because if that's what it is, then that's the wrong purpose. You know, we don't want to fit in. We want to stand out, not go along with the crowd. So thank you so much for just sharing kind of your heart on all of this. I super powerful. Is there any other last words that you'd want to offer or say? I mean, this all being said, then social media isn't this evil aspect that needs to be smitten from the earth. There's numerous ways that social media can be used for good. Uh, It sounds, I think, like you said, that you had a social media. I would assume that this podcast uses social media. So so, so, social media can be used for the good of those mature enough to use it. Like I said earlier, it is beneficial as long as the user is able to control it. So using social media in a beneficial way, whether it be spreading truth, uh, spreading, I guess, I don't know, a lot of political campaigns use social media as well to reach out to people. That's all fine. But it also can be done through other avenues that don't necessarily include the aspects of social media, like the apps that you get, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. I think that's great. And that's why I love that you say 18, because I think once you reach 18, you realize, oh, I can use social media for this good thing, like this, you know, getting out the message on XYZ. But at 15, that's usually not the reason that somebody's on social media. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Noah. I really appreciated our conversation today. Yes, Sam. Thanks for having me on. I hope you all enjoyed listening today. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends. You can head over to our website, screamstrong.com to donate. We are a nonprofit organization. um, So feel free to do that. You can also learn more about our seven day screen strong challenge. We've created that for toddlers to teens. It's a great place to start to see what life is like off the screen. We also have a free educational experience that you can find under our learn tab on the website. If you're looking for extra support as a parent, you can join our screen strong families, Facebook group. 
where you'll find support from other parents just like you. We are growing every single week. It's so encouraging. And our group's been open for about a year. And now we're starting to see so many posts of wins. And it's so great. These parents are posting and saying, I've got my kid back. We're three months in and I can't believe this. So just come over there for extra encouragement. So remember, we've got your back and we are here to help you. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd and stay strong. Thank you.